The following is a hoop ball presentation. Damien Lamonte Ali Lillard Sr. Damien freaking Lillard. Wow. Welcome to another episode of Roundball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. And I just want to say first and foremost, first is a hoop ball presentation, so hoop-ball.com, online at hoop ball tweets. Second, the Lakers didn't play last night. I don't care what you say. The Lakers didn't play last night. Just want to put that out there. Lakers did not play last night. Three times. Okay, you got it? Get it? Got it good? Awesome. All right, let's turn our attention to more important things, like Damian Lillard. Um, last night's game between the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets, Game 5, was an absolute classic. Just of the highest order. We saw one of the great NBA performances of our time, and I wish I was speaking hyperbole, but I wasn't. I'm not. I just am not. Uh, Denver pulled out the win 147-140 to 140 in a two-overtime thriller where Damian Lillard went off. Absolutely off. Game time, the mythology is locked in legend. It is a wrap. The Blazers trailed the Nuggets by 22 points midway through the second quarter. They would close that quarter on just a run that would... T- Cut the deficit to three points going to halftime. And that would make the game that was. I mean, this was a back-and-forth game down the second half. Uh, Denver had a very gutsy performance. Nikola Jokic put his own stamp on the game. But let's talk about Lillard again. 55 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds on just electric efficiency, y'all. 17-24 from the field. 12 of 17 from three. By himself. By himself, 12 of 17 from three. 17 to 24. Do y'all get this? Seven shots missed all night on a run of 55 points. He hit the three, descended into overtime. He hit the three, descended into double overtime. I mean, two vintage game time moments. He was got the ball under regulation. Got Michael Porter Jr. on his back heels. Pulled up for three splash money all day. Boom. Done. That's off a sideline out of bounds. Iso. Pound step side three. Book it. Then, Denver took control in the overtime. They built the lead to as much as nine points. Guess what happened? Lillard came back. Min left to go. Lillard hit a three. Cut the Portland deficit to five. 23 seconds left. Hit another three. Made a two-point game. Monte Morris gets fouled. He goes to the line. He could have, you know, given the Blazers a, 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 a no chance. He could have put the Blazers out of their misery. But he missed a free throw, which gave the Blazers another chance. Lillard brought the ball down. The Nuggets should have fouled. And that was a question I was asked on inside the NBA after. And I kind of asked it to myself. But it, I don't understand why. But at the same time, I guess we should be happy that they didn't. Because we wouldn't have seen another heroic shot by Dame. 13 seconds left. Dame gets the ball. Iso and Monte Morris. He goes inside the arc. Spins back outside for a step back three. They actually got fouled on. Knocks it down. And we're in double OT. But unfortunately, you know, the Blazers just ran out of gas in that second overtime. They were tired. I mean, Lillard was absolutely gassed. Other guys were already kind of tired and were already looking at Lillard to lead them to begin with. 
Uh, the score was tied. It was a minute 30 left. Jokic made just an incredible skip pass from one side of the court to the far corner to Michael Porter Jr. for a three-pointer. That put Denver ahead for good. Um, the Portland had a chance to respond, but Lillard gave the ball to McCollum. McCollum stepped out of bounds, and after that, it was academic. And that was the game. That was the game. What I got to say, though, is that one of the joys of watching this classic, despite, you know, Portland going down, you know, even with Damian Lillard playing out of his mind, was the love of social media and NBA Twitter specifically. People were just going off reacting. You had, you know, friends that I follow. You have NBA players. You had NBA media and such. Just all commenting on Damian's greatness. He hit another? Oh, my God. Damian Lillard. It was insane. The negative part of NBA Twitter or social media at large is that right after the game, free Dame, you know, let's get him traded, this and that. And mind you, I get it. I do. I, and I don't hold this against NBA Twitter, social media, or anything. You know, when players have great performances or when players are, you know, have a history of toiling away on a, on a team that has not done their best to maximize that player's prime, greatness, etc., yeah, get them moved. The only thing I don't like is when, you know, people say that and then they move and say, oh my god, they joined a super team, yada yada, like, you can't have it both ways. In this case, though, I'm going to say the same thing, free Dame, because Dame came through, Dame did his job, but others did not. Dame shot 7-9 from the floor, from the end of regulation and across both overtime periods. You know what happened for the rest of the Blazers? They just disappeared. The rest of the Blazers shot 1-14 for 14 for the rest of the game. CJ's May 3 to 13.7 seconds left in regulation, which was clutch, by the way, pretty much signaled the last significant shot the Blazers hit for the rest of the evening. That was it. Robert Covington played well, but the other Blazers just didn't do enough. Again, I mentioned uh, McCollum hitting that clutch three. Had 18 points. He was also the one with a costly turnover, and he shot 7-22 from the field overall. Not super great. You said Nurkic fouled out with four minutes left. 9-1 overtime. 9 the other overtime. Four minutes left in regulation. Now, mind you, Blazers fans weren't happy. The hooking call you got called for his fifth foul was kind of ticky tack, and let's just let's just be real, it's kind of a bad call all, all in general. But at the same time, I mean, was Nurkic setting the world on fire? Six turnovers, thirteen points on twelve shots, five of twelve shooting. No. Carmelo Anthony and Norman Powell—they shot the ball more than they got points. Like they had more shot attempts than they had points. So that tells you just how bad the other Blazers just totally crapped the bed when it came to performances like that. And, you know, it goes both ways. I don't want to put it all on the Blazers just coughing it up and making it that, you know, Dame couldn't have won if he really wanted to, whatever the case may be. Because honestly, yeah, could they have done better? Yeah, if, if they played even, I don't know, an iota better, would Dame have kind of scored the W? I am one to believe so. But the Nuggets, the Nuggets played well. Michael Porter Jr., 26 points, 12 rebounds on 76% shooting. 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. Aaron Gordon played well, especially in the early going. 14 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 54% from the field. Nikola Jokic, already mentioned him before, but come on. 38 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists? Come on. Come on. All series long, he's been a problem. His 3-point shooting slumped a little bit. 3 and 9 from 3 last night, but everything else, what are you going to do? Austin Rivers came up big, 18 points, 7 assists, 50% shooting. Just in general, 100% from the line. Bingo. Monte Morris played out of his mind. His playoff career high before last night was 14 points. 
Well, last night in 41 super huge minutes, you know what Monte Morris, you know what he threw up? You know what he threw up? Simple. Maybe the efficiency wasn't the greatest. 28 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. If he made that last free throw, you know, the one he missed, they probably wouldn't have been this over, double overtime classic that we had. But he didn't, and that's fine, because 10 of 11 is still good. Four three-pointers knocked down. That's solid. That's solid. All in all, the Nuggets had five players in double digits. And we're talking, obviously, high double digits for Jokic having 38, Porter 26, 18 for Austin Rivers, 28 big ones off the bench for Monte Morris. Huge. Mark Marcus Howard, the rook, came in and was a big draw off the bench for Denver, 3 of 4 from 3 in 15 minutes. These guys did their job. These guys played like a number 3 team does. They just had to withstand an all-time performance from Damian Lillard to do it. So now, you head to Portland. Blazers are down 3 games to 2. I said before that the series is going 7. I want to check my predictions just to make sure. <laughs> but I had the Nuggets pulling it out. I do have the Blazers winning game 6. Whether or not I said that before, my predictions be doggone. I do see the Blazers winning game 6. But you have to wonder. Because with a game like that... Emotionally, that is a lot for a team to have stand. Team put it all on the table. And we've seen performances where great ones just empty the clip and throw the gun. And don't have to get it done. And they're just done. Like, I'm sorry, it takes a minute to, re- to reload. Come next game, they don't have it. I think back to LeBron, 2018, game one. Against Golden State Warriors, dropping that 51 points, having that just massive letdown by J.R. Smith in the final final closing moments of the game, and he just didn't have anything for the rest of that overtime. And then he jacked up his hand after the game in frustration, didn't have anything for the rest of the series. So I'm not saying that it's an exact parallel. Of course it's not. But to expect a lot from Dame after playing that many minutes, that amount of pressure, that clutch out, so you just come back cold. Then what? You find yourself going home and with a lot of questions. Portland's going to be a very interesting team to talk about, you know, if and when they get eliminated, or is it when and if they get eliminated. Yeah, because I do see it happening this round, and, I mean, you could look at what happens to Harry Stotts. You could look at CJ McCollum and the supporting cast around Damian Lillard. Are they the people for the job? My answer, no, they're not. So what do you do there? What's the next steps for Portland to maximize Dame's contract while he's kicking that extension, and he's going to be leaving his prime pretty soon? I feel like he is still squarely in it, but he's all, he's 30 now. So 31 coming up next season. Uh, I think we can start to expect at least a, a, a slight drop-off, not next year, but just in the years coming. So what are we doing right now to make the most of that time? I, I don't know. I really don't know what Portland's doing. Really, really sucks. You know what else sucks? I said I was going to talk about the Lakers game, but I kind of have to. So, oh, man, where do I even begin? AD being ruled out of Game 5 probably was the beginning of that. Probably was the beginning of that. Um, But LeBron, you know, had been talking before. Um, He said, listen, these shoulders are built for a reason. And I agree. Um, You know, he's going to put the team on his back. I think these shoulders are built because that's what shoulders are built for. They're just there, having seen the game that I saw. Marcus Gasol said he had no fear. Uh, You know, the team was going to be fine playing without AD. Um... I guess I would beg to differ and said with the Phoenix Suns because from the opening tip, they went at the Lakers relentlessly to the basket, just exploiting the lack of rim protection. And yes, that's even with Marquise Moore starting, and that's even with Andre Drummond being, you know, in the back end. 
Lakers started okay. Marquise Morris started for Davis, hit the game's first basket, drilled a three. Lakers led 10-5 early in the first. LeBron actually looked okay. And then everything just flipped on its flipping head, y'all. Phoenix won a 14-0 run, took a 19-14 lead. Lakers fought back, closed it to within, what, 8, 34, 26, the end of one. But the way they played was just a sign of how bad it was going to get. The Suns started the second quarter going on a 21-2 run. Remember, it was 34-26. 34-26. How do y'all feel about 55-28? to <laughs> Devin Booker just went off. It went off. Meanwhile, on the other end, Phoenix packed the paint and said, okay, Los Angeles, shoot. We know you're not a great shooting team anyway. What y'all going to do? What you going to do? And the Lakers are like, you know what? We're just going to miss shots because why not? And that's what they did. Los Angeles ended up trailing by 30 points at halftime. There was no second half comeback. There wasn't. People were talking about sitting LeBron, just letting him have rest up for game six at this point. Don't even come into the second half because... It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. As a Lakers fan, I'm not even hiding the bias. It was a nightmare. LeBron James just didn't get great until later. He didn't. In the third quarter, he's like, okay, now I'm going to score for LA. He just shot three-pointer after three-pointer. Five of his six threes came in that third quarter. It would have been six, but Andre was called for a moving screen. He had 24 points, seven assists, and five steals. But that third quarter shooting, you need to get that a lot sooner. Like, you know, maybe the first quarter or, you know, the second. That third quarter alone just provided the 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 majority of LeBron's 24 points, five rebounds, seven assists. And I'm saying the numbers look solid, 47% from the field, six to ten from three is not bad at all. But by the time he got that, it was already over. And that was it. You had one other guy in double digits. Well, two other people. Kyle Kuzma, who actually played okay to start. 15 points, didn't shoot three ball well, one of five from three, 613 overall, didn't give you much else, one rebound, pretty much it. Taylor Tucker, 11 points, 11 rebounds, one assist. I don't know where else you go from there. Um, I guess if you find anything to take away from this, it's that everyone got to play on the Lakers because you could wonder why Marcus Saul only played a certain amount of minutes or Andre Drummond played a certain amount of minutes or whether you were going to free Montrezl Harrell, whatever the case was. Well, in a game like this, you bring in everybody because it doesn't matter. And that's what Vogel did. Everybody played. I mean, Jared Dudley got off the bench and got some minutes. But across the board, 34% from the field for the Lakers. 34% from three, 12 of 35, which isn't as horrible. But again, take away LeBron's six and what do you have? Just think about that. 6 of 24 ain't pretty. You know what I mean? 6 30, not nice. Rough. And for Phoenix, I mean, like I said, they were insane. Devin Booker's 30 points on 56% shooting. Very efficient. Seven rebounds, five assists for good measure. Chris Paul, still not shooting super great. You know, still played a little later and, and linger and, and aggravated that lingering shoulder injury. But nine points, four rebounds, six assists in the win. I think he'll take it. Off the bench, Cameron Payne. Playing strong as he has all series. 16 points, four rebounds as well. Knocked down two threes. Boom. Cameron Johnson, 11. Mikael Bridges, 13. I mean... Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton combined for 17 points and 7 rebounds, but you look at them and tell them they weren't essential to that win. I mean, you know, they got it done. It, it was a lot. It, it got to the point that, I mean, the Suns didn't showboat or anything, but Frank the Tank, 
Frank Kaminsky, who got 10 minutes, two, three points, and four rebounds, in case you're wondering. Um, no, three rebounds, four assists, excuse me, in case you're wondering. He got an alley-oop attempt. Did he make it? Heck no. But he got one. That's interesting enough on its own, right? All in all, y'all, this was just... It was insane. Um, Lakers didn't come out with a sense of urgency, and now they're talking about coming out with urgency, desperation. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, remember the guy who turned down a four, four, four years, $84 million? Yeah, totally disappeared. One of the biggest games of his career, arguably, and he did the exact opposite of what he was asked to do. Passed the open looks. When he did take them, they missed terribly. Wasn't the primary ball handler that James needed to give him some of, something of a break. I mean, remember, Schroeder shot horrible in game four, three or 13 from the floor. That's that's not great at all. How do you take that performance and just one-up it in the level of just pitiful? Somehow he did it. 25 points and basically an 0 for 4 rebounds, 1 assist, minus 17, 0-9 from the field, 0-4 from 3. Nothing falling at all for Schroeder. Nothing. And I don't know. I mean, he's playing himself out of money. And now the Lakers are one game away from elimination. They don't have margin for error anymore. No one cares that they're injured, that they're not, that they don't have any sync or whatever. You lose this game, the offseason begins. First round loss for the defending champs. Mind you, to a very strong Phoenix team. Mind you, after a year that injuries have wreaked havoc, that you haven't been all together, everything. Regardless of all of that, there's still going to be a lot of questions. Game 6 is going to be in L.A. I love L.A. Gives you a chance to hope for the Lakers. But right now, the squad just looks totally bamboozled. Totally lost in the sauce. If Davis can't play game six, and the Lakers season loses, Lakers season loses. Lakers season ends, it, it, it's a lot to think about. And you're putting a lot on 36-year-old LeBron's shoulders. And I'm only bringing up the age, because you got to think about that sometimes when it comes to Oh my gosh, we need you to do everything for us. And we know you're playing on a gippy ankle, but please, LeBron, give us all you got. And LeBron, you know, we always pace himself. Maybe he is because he can't just put it on like he used to. Just saying, we look at all the performances he had. The last crazy, okay, I'll do this myself performance that he had? 2018. Three years ago. He was 33. That's already an advanced basketball age, more or less. I, I don't know what to say. I do have one thing to say. Looking at this game, if y'all remember, I was didn't do a whole lot of shows back during the trade deadline, but I was really, really mad the Lakers did not make that trade for Kyle Lowry. Lakers had the chance to offer Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Taylor Horn-Tucker for Kyle Lowry. And the Lakers said, no, we are not going to do that. We're going to re-sign Dennis Schroeder in free agency. Okay, they didn't say that. I'm saying that. We think THT is a big part of our program. I think they actually did say that. Bottom line, last night, Dennis Schroeder, Zero points, four rebounds, one assist on 0-9 shooting. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, zero points, one rebound, two assists, took one shot, missed it. He did leave again for re aggravation of that knee contusion, so I, I got to cut him some slack there. But at the same time, got to throw that in there for the production that he did give, even being hampered. Then Taylor Horn Tucker, four points, four rebounds, two assists. Later pushed up to 11 and, and 11. All that, am I saying that, that Kyle Lowry is the panacea that we need? No, we, the Lakers, you get what I'm saying. Am I saying that he would have been the cure-all? No, but I think that you had a lot more playmaking, championship experience, clutch shot-making, someone to relieve LeBron James of the scoring load, which, let's be real, hasn't happened all year. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder had some great moments, but those moments usually happen when LeBron was off the floor. You know, that stretch where LeBron and AD missed time. That's great for keeping them afloat, but you actually need someone to 
be on the floor with LeBron to help him out in that way. And the thought was that Dennis Schroeder would be the answer, and it does not look like Dennis Schroeder is indeed the answer. It's crazy. Well, Lakers got some soul searching to do. What? You got tomorrow night? Game six in LA, what's gonna happen? We will find out. Got a trio of former clips, uh, to say happy birthday to Al Wood. First of all, sixty three. Uh he played six seasons in the NBA across four teams. He had the Hawks, the San Diego Clippers, the Super Science, and the Mavericks. Uh honestly, I guess you could say decent enough guard. Um just a journeyman at that point, but come on, you make the NBA the highest level, you get a shout out here. Uh, he played for the Clippers between 1981 and 1983, so that's one for Al Wood, 63, happy birthday to him. You had Earl Boykins, yes, who was 45, remember Earl Boykins, five foot five, but just a lot of heart, man, a lot of heart, knocks that, just a solid three-point shooter, 34% for his career. Eight points and three assists over 652 games. He played with the Clippers between 2001 and 2002. Rather, 2000 and 2002. There you go. Um, just kind of beginning. It was just before he really flourished as the spark plug backup guard that he would be with Denver uh, in the back half of his 20s. But still, just really solid for him. Uh, you know, the Clippers' experience for most players wasn't super great. But the fact that you're another guy who's crossed paths with the Clippers and had his birthday today. Shout out to Earl Boykins. I mean, geez, there's some great pictures of him. Just, you know, matched up against taller, matched up with taller players or defending other guys. But that dude was a gamer. That dude could ball. 45 years old, happy birthday, Earl Boykins. And last, but certainly not least, Bobby Simmons, who actually did have a good season in a Clippers uniform. One most improved player in that uniform, by the way. Bobby Simmons, who, for the record, is 41 years old, went from averaging 7 points and 4 rebounds with the Clippers at age 23 in 2004, to just totally turn that on his head. And in 2005, averaging 16 points and 6 rebounds, shooting 46% from the field instead of 39%, shooting 43% from 3 instead of 16%, just totally turning it on. Now, that was his best year of his career. He would slump back to 13 points in the next season, suffered some injury, and then really just became like a rotation player. Um, bit player for the rest of his career. He would return for the Clippers for his final season of his career in 2012. By that point, it was a wrap. But again, another Clipper. Shout out to those guys. Earl Boykins, Bobby Simmons, and Al Wood. And last but not least, he had a little bit of NBA uh, history for you. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, nine years ago, on this day, Game 4, Western Conference Finals. San Antonio Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma fought back from a 0-2 deficit to the highest game in Oklahoma City and basically used that to win the final two games and go to their first and only NBA Finals appearance against LeBron James. The Thunder would win this one, 109-103. And the performance to really shout out, I mean, take your pick. KD, 36 points on 65% shooting, 6 rebounds, 8 assists. Russell Westbrook, 7 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists on 2 of 10 shoot. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kendra Perkins, almost had a double-double, 15 points, 9 rebounds in 32 big minutes. Nope. James Harden, just shout out to him, still being on the Thunder at that point. 11 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Nope. You know who, you know who was the real champion? Serge Ibaka. 40 minutes played that night. 26 points, 
Five rebounds. Didn't miss anything anywhere all game. 11 of 11 from the field. 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Three blocks because Serge Ibaka was in full effect back then. He really helped them get that key W. Despite Tim Duncan averaging 21 or having 21 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, Kawhi Leonard beginning just the Kawhi domination that he would. He had 17 points, 9 rebounds on 7-8 shooting and 3-4 of four from 3. Already displaying that Kawhi robot level of efficiency that he would later show over his career. Other than that, Tony Parker didn't have a great game. 12 points, 4 assists, but on 5-15 shooting. Boris Diaw was solid. Yep, that's right. Boris Diaw, 12.7 rebounds, 5-11 from the field, 2-4 from 3. Danny Green was cold. But Manu off the bench, 13 points, 4 assists, 4 at 7 from the field, 2 at 3 from 3. And Captain Jack, Steven Jackson, 2 at 3 from 3, 11 points overall as well. Ultimately, though, the guy we're giving our flowers to, Serge Ibaka, 9 years ago, really started the key game that got the Oklahoma City Thunder to the NBA Finals in Game 4 of the 2012 Western Conference Finals. Wow. All right, well, that'll do it here for myself on Round Ball Ramble. Make sure to check out Hoop Ball. As I say, hoop-ball.com and on Twitter at hoopballtweets. You know where to find me. It's Corbin, Corbin NBA. Definitely make sure to check that out. Um, follow me on the Halftime app. I uh, basically went and installed that and trying to see what it's all about. Maybe put a presence down there, but at Corbin NBA over there as well. Just why not, right? Just why not? So definitely looking to do some things moving on this off season. Ramp up some playoff coverage, see what we got here, bring on some guests. Uh, maybe start a, a locker room room. We've got to see what's going on there and, and how uh, how much fun there is to be had on that side. But until next time, y'all, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.